Let's turn to the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Serious. Seriously. God was speaking. Lest God would wipe them off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. That was the time when they complained to God that they had no water and tempted God and uh, spoke uh, in, in, a, in, in, in a very evil way against God and what he had done to them. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondsmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Wonderful redemption of the people out of slavery in Egypt. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us and that just made me think a little bit I was thinking over this passage and from this amazing speech that Moses was giving he was giving this resume of Israel's 40 years wandering in the desert. And I was once again impressed by the fact that God again was repeating his warnings about the dangers of foreign gods. You know, in, in, in Deuteronomy alone we have four, five, six, seven or eight verses including the Ten Commandments all saying to the people don't get involved in the gods of the people round about you 
And of course, these are just a few of the, the many instances throughout the scriptures, the early scriptures, where God warns the people about the gods of the people round about them. Exodus 23, I'll just read a few. Exodus 23 and verse 23. God speaking, for mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and I will cut them off thou shalt not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do after their works but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and break down their images again in verse in Exodus 23 32 thou shalt make no covenant with them nor with their gods thou shalt not they shall not dwell in thy land lest they make thee sin against me for if thou serve their gods it will utterly be a snare unto thee going on to Exodus 34 verse 13 but ye shall destroy their altars break their images and cut down their groves these holy trees that they had I remember being in, in uh, Nepal and seeing these trees uh, usually there were two trees together and, and a little shrine between them and they were to cut down these things because they were images of their gods for thou shalt worship no other god for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they go whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods and one call thee and thou eat of his sacrifice not to have any social connections with the people of the land nor worship their gods and in Judges we have we have that particular uh, those particular few verses repeated almost word for word and we could go on there are lots of other verses we could find where God clearly tells the people to stay away from these false gods they were to have no truck with the inhabitants in any form of worship or indeed social relationships and why why was God so adamant that they would not have anything to do with these people I began to think why were these instructions repeated again and again and again there was in these instructions there, there, there was no leeway no room for compromise they were God's absolute standards and you know we we must have standards absolute standards we must live by God's standards the problem is today that man makes up his own standards we've said this before the, the attitude is that may be true for you but it is not true for me there is no absolute truth we are told and this is creeping in with this emergent church which I keep telling you about 
these kind of philosophies are creeping into the church as well and so like Israel of old in Judges 21-25 it says there was no king in Israel in those days every man did what was right in his own eyes each lived by his own standards and that is true today we see the mess this country is in as a result there's no absolute law that people go by we have we, we look around every day we see crime, binge drinking no go areas in towns for the elderly and even for the police in some instances gun and knife crime see that old man of 93 was was knifed uh, on the village green fear of terrorist attack never mind the burglaries rape paedophiles abusing our children our soldiers fighting and dying in what appears to be a futile war abortion on demand and of course our government compromises towards those who would seek to undermine our very heritage and lifestyles listening to the Sunday program they're complaining that religion, religious education isn't wide enough People aren't, the children are not being told enough about other religions to get back to Israel Israel sadly did not keep God's laws and I wonder is Israel still suffering from the fact that they did not follow these commandments their history is one of compromise all through their history we see compromise with the pagan gods of Canaan leading to God's judgment and displeasure and eventual exile for 70 years in Babylon you know we have to go back a long way till we see bits about Canaan way back in Genesis 9 Noah had come out of the ark and he had uh, got himself drunk and the children had got involved in uh, the fact that he was naked and God cursed Canaan Ham Ham the youngest son was guilty of abuse of his father and there was a curse put on Canaan the son of Ham and it said cursed be Canaan a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren Canaan was cursed and of course the land of Canaan was the result of Canaan's family spreading and spreading now it would seem that not only was this curse uh, making Canaan subservient to his brethren Shem and Japheth but also this whole area of Canaan soon became flooded with dark and pagan gods demonic oppression and it dominated the territory of Canaan that's why God was so insistent on keeping away from the gods that surrounded them 
in Genesis 10, 19, we, we have the area allotted to Canaan. And it consists of the whole of the present-day Israel, including Judea and Samaria, as far south as Gaza. It includes southern Lebanon, right up to Sidon, and plus some, uh, some other areas, depending on where some ancient towns actually were. In fact, it, it's the major part of the troubled areas today in the Middle East. And there were pagan gods who were worshipped in this area. <clears throat> We've heard of them and we know of them from scripture. There was Baal, Ashtoreth, Dagon, the fish god of the Philistines, and some others. And I mentioned there, part of the area went up to Sidon. Tyre and Sidon had a great influence on the life of Israel. And it's necessary to look at some of these Canaan deities, Baal and Ashtoreth, who were intimately connected with Tyre and Sidon. We can't go over them all. We'll just take a, 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 a sample. Baal was the principal deity, the male deity of the Canaanites and the Phoenicians and others, with Ashtoreth as the principal female deity. And the worship of the two was often linked together. If we look at Judges 2 and verse 12... Judges 2 and probably verse 13. Yes. In verse 12 it is. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. Of the gods of the people that were round about them. And that's exactly what God said in Deuteronomy. Don't go for the gods of the people round about you and they did the exact opposite the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger for they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth these demonic pagan deities and strangely enough just before you came in I read a note on this Bible because when I was looking at this I didn't use this Bible uh, and, but the note here on this Bible explains about these deities and I'll read out what it says these Canaanite deities Baal and Ashtoreth remained a problem for Judah until the Babylonian exile that's what I said they, they eventually were exiled two other Canaanite deities noted in Judges are Asherah and Dagon only the 70 years in captivity finally cured Israel of its idolatrous ways but the gods are still there I want to emphasize that later on recent archaeological discoveries have helped to clarify the facts about the region of Canaan in the days of the Judges Baal and Ashtoreth are the names of two individual gods in a much larger and complicated system of polytheism 
Moreover, they were also community gods whose names differed from region to region. And so you have different names of Baal. You have Baal Peor, Baal Bereth, and Baal Zebub. Baal Zebub, you know, Baal Zebub, Baal Zebub, and so on. Overall, the, re the re religion of the Canaanites was extremely corrupt. It was characterized by the practices of human sacrifice, ritual prostitution, and homosexuality and self-mutilation. These religions taught that these practices were prevalent among their gods as well. So it is not surprising that the people became equally debased. The many gods were particularly connected with agriculture, the seasons, the weather and the grain. And many of God's judgment against these people would ultimately discredit the supposed abilities of the Canaanite gods. It's interesting that because it, it, it fills in, it falls in just with what I was going to say. Baal actually uh, was also located in parts of South Lebanon. Baal was pictured as a bull. That was, uh, it means master or husband in the sense of being the possessor of people. Ashtoreth was usually represented by a female figure with large breasts as a symbol of fertility. The worship of both Baal and Ashtoreth was associated, as that article said, with licentious rites and wild orgies and male and female temple prostitution. And she was invoked also as the Queen of Heaven and identified by some as a sun god. So we have a mixture of these gods. Ashtoreth was the Isis of Egypt and the uh, Aphrodite of the Greeks. Evil, evil uh, demonic deities. And it's interesting, as we see in a minute, that Ashtoreth was the deity of Sidon. Tyre and Sidon this is where the center of her worship was. They were particularly ferocious, these gods. We have seen that children were sacrificed to them. And thrown into the flames they, they had images of the gods with uh, that ha held flames and the children were thrown in and sacrificed into these flames horrible horrible one can only imagine the horror of this worship that parents were brought about uh, to, to sacrifice their children it reminded me a little bit of the fact that mothers in Islam are proud of the fact that their children are being sacrificed. Similar type of thing, allowing their children to be sacrificed as, as bombers, suicide bombers, and being pleased about it. The prophets were constantly against this evil practice. In Jeremiah it says, they built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Molech. 
a rather uh, vicious type of Baal. A Molech or Malkart had his seat of worship at Tyre. So Tyre and Sidon were centres of particularly brutal demonic worship. You know, I was looking at the, the what this particular chap said in this Bible. It, char- it was characterised by practices of human sacrifice, ritual prostitution and homosexuality and, se- and self-mutilation. And many would say that the amount of abortion in the world today is just a description as this fellow says here worshipping these deities here this Baal or Molech involved sacrificing children and when you look around the world at the millions of children who are being sacrificed on a daily basis the situation is much the same and we have ritual prostitution the morality of this country has gone down the tubes completely we have homosexuality and you only have to look at the young people today with their their piercings and all the rest of it, self mutilation we're living in very similar days as described here as the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth And the worship of these gods led to gross immorality in Israel because they followed these gods. And that's why God was constantly warning them and saying, steer clear of them, don't have anything to do with them. But they disobeyed God and Israel suffered the consequences. You know, let's not think that these gods were just little images stuck up on the mantelpiece of the people's houses. They were demonic deities who influenced the people for much evil. And the typical example I thought I would look at was Jezebel. You remember Jezebel, Ahab's queen? And she greatly influenced Israel. She was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians that's the people from Sidon isn't that interesting and Ashtoreth was the chief deity in that region her hometown actually was Tyre which was the seat of the worship of the god Melkart or another form of Baal and Ahab particularly favoured that god. She had strong links with both these pagan gods. She was the daughter of the king for whom Ashtoreth was the chief deity. It's no wonder that trouble occurred for Israel and through Ahab, who was married to this woman. Let's just look at First uh, Kings. 18 First Kings 18 
in verse 19. Remember the battle that Elijah had with the prophets, the demonic prophets. It says here, Now therefore send and gather to me to all Israel unto the Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, that was the prophets of Ashtoreth, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. 400 prophets of Baal, and 450 personal prophets that Jezebel fed at her table the prophets of Ashtoreth. And Elijah had to battle with those people. And if you just go back to chapter 16 of Kings, 1 Kings 16, and read from verse 30. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as he had been, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. He treated it as a light thing. That he took wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sy. Sidonians, the people of Sidon, and went and served Baal and worshipped him, and he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before him. He was doing exactly the opposite to what God had declared in Exodus and in those verses in Deuteronomy. The worship of Baal as Melkart and of Ashtoreth, both of whom were centered in Tyre and Sidon, flooded Israel with evil. Most notably in this instance we're talking about through Jezebel when Elijah met with the prophets in Mount Carmel it was probably with the god Melkart of Baal who came from the Tyre who was worshipped mainly in the Tyre region that he did battle now there were other gods who were also worshipped in that region but one must realise that these demonic deities did not just disappear As they were influential in leading Israel astray in biblical times, those same deities, I believe, are still at large in the world. And I believe they are influencing a lot of what is going on in Canaan and Palestine today. We have heard, or we used to hear more talk probably, of the Becca Valley. It runs from the north between the north and south of of Lebanon the centre of Lebanon great fertile valley Becca towards the northern end of that valley at its narrowest point there are apparently ruins of the temples of Baal Bek 
Now this man mentioned that in his little group of Baal prophets here, Baal Bek. And there are temples there which were built to Jupiter, Bacchus and Venus. They consisted of a group of gods, one treated as the father, one treated as the mother, and one treated as the son, a, a demonic representation of the Godhead. And they were very vicious particular gods. These were planned and built by the Romans. And it's interesting too, it says they, they, they were huge. They contained the tallest columns ever built, the largest stone blocks ever used by man, and construction was carried on over 250 years. These temples were probably Satan's last attempt to overthrow the, the spread of the gospel throughout the world. The Romans built these. It was said to be the greatest concentration of pagan worship anywhere in the ancient world. So it's not surprising that it became a center for drug growing, trafficking and violence. These temples were the, the worshipping of these idols were very cruel and they were gods of war they were warlike gods these and it's interesting I discovered to note there's an organization called Islamic Amal and remember I said this was in the Becca Valley and this place where these temples were were Baal Bek and the headquarters in Lebanon of this Islamic organization is at Baal Bek, where these demonic warlike gods were worshipped. The PLO operated from where in the 1980s? From Lebanon. Where were the PLO soldiers trained? In Lebanon. Where were major organizations receiving tra training from the PLO in Lebanon? The IRA received training in Lebanon. The Japanese Red Army apparently received training in Lebanon. The Bader Meinhof gang from Germany, that vicious group, they received their training in Lebanon. PLO trained terrorists from over 12 countries at special bases in Lebanon. They were shipped and they shipped arms from Lebanon to more than 40 terrorist organizations and about 20 of those were in Europe. Is it any chance that this was just happened as a fluke? You know, have these ancient gods of war, which we read about, where are they? Are they still influencing the land of Canaan, which is now the land of Palestine? 
Israel were told to totally destroy the base from which these evil deities were operating. And that's why when they went into the land, they had to destroy it entirely. We'll read more about that in the succeeding chapters within Deuteronomy. Instead, we read that Israel joined forces with them. And we have seen, instead, they worshipped with them. God knew the dangers from flirting with these strange demon gods. You know, we could go on and elaborate on this subject. Other gods like Dagon, the fish gods, were worshipped. But, and, and the fact is, it all led into to Mary worship. There's a, there's a church, the, the Maronite church in Lebanon, on Mary Day. Are particularly cruel to evangelicals, but that, that's not our. I just wanted to to, to give a, a resume of these gods, just to see to show why God was so adamant that they shouldn't worship these false gods. These people were about to enter the promised land where these gods were rife, and I believe today, Israel is still reaping the harvest for that disobedience. What is taking place today in Gaza and the West Bank is not purely a physical battle. It's a battle which is spiritually inspired and a spiritual battle. Our Lord, when he went to the cross, suffered great physical pain, but he also suffered great in that spiritual battle against Satan. We are in a spiritual battle in this world. But Christ has had victory over sin and death and the grave. Colossians 2.13 And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trans- trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it Christ has won victory over these principalities and powers Hebrews 2.14 he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the devil. The Israelites had failed to realize the power of the enemy. We should take heed to scripture. Ephesians, it says, Ephesians 6.12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are told in Scripture ourselves in the New Testament to to stay clear of these other faiths. We have to come out from among them those who do not acknowledge the truths of Scripture and be separate from them, as the Israelites were told to be separate from these other gods. 
to mark those who cause division and teach those doctrines which are contrary to God's word and what does it say? Avoid them. Avoid them. There is much nonsense today spoken about what goes for spiritual warfare. We have things like March for Jesus and other such events. They were a prime example. And some of them have just petered out. You don't hear any talk about March for Jesus now. Have all the evil spirits, they have, have they defeated them all? Or have the organizers just realized that what they were doing was a waste of time? We have what Paul did when he went to Corinth and when he went to places like Ephesus where there was great demonic worship. 1 Corinthians 2, 1, when he's talking to the Corinthians, he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Oh, that's, that was the message, to defeat all these demonic demons in, in Corinth and in Ephesus. Paul's was to preach Christ and him crucified. And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power of God. Acts 17.1, he says, Now when they have passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs to have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Another instance, actually, we will just read, in Acts 17, verse 16, that Paul had come to Athens. And his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the whole city given over to idolatry. The whole city was idolatrous. Therefore he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with devout persons and in the market daily with them that might that met with him. Certain philosophers. What did he do with them? He disputed in the synagogue and he discussed with the people he met philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said what will this babbler say other some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection what did he do in this city full of idols and idolatry? Did he have prayer walks? Did he organize these marches? No, he preached unto them Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prayer and preaching Christ and him crucified. They are our weapons against Satan. But in finally... I'm trying to finish this chapter 6. Verse 18, it says, I emphasize it when we're reading, Thou shalt do that which is right and good 
in the sight of the Lord. And that's what we have to do. Do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Just quickly turn to the third epistle of John. Way at the end of the New Testament. Third epistle of the Apostle John. And he's writing to a man called Gaius. And he was, thr- he was thrilled with Gaius. He starts, I greatly rejoice when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Third chapter, the, the, the first uh, few verses of the third epistle of John. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity, of thy love, before the church, whom, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. People had visited his this particular church and they had discovered this man Gaius and he was obviously a lovely man and they come back and told John all about him now Gaius, this man Gaius was in a church that was not going all that well it wasn't running very smoothly because John says in verse 9 I wrote unto the church but thy who loveth to have preeminence among them wouldn't receive them it's not amazing he wouldn't receive John the beloved apostle wherefore he said if I come I will remember his deeds which he doeth pressing against us with malicious words and not content with that neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and cast them out of the church here was this egotist and what did Gaius he carried himself with true Christian deportment in the middle of this church that was wouldn't even receive John he carried himself with wonderful Christian deportment you know we may find ourselves in similar situations our families, our friends even our fellowship groups may be pressing against us (laughs) but look at the testimony of others that they had of Gaius he walketh in the truth it says nothing more and nothing less he walked in the truth isn't that lovely you know it may be a lonely road to walk many may not have joined him but he stuck fast there were people who were speaking evil of him there were people who were pressing about John and the others they wouldn't have anything to do with these people who had been sent by John 
but he lived and walked in the truth. You know, somebody sent me an email the other day, uh, a Jewish girl, and I'm sure she never thought I'd be using it in, in this little class. And she says about two wolves. One evening an old Cherokee Indian told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. I can't think of anything else. But that was like this man in the church. He was arrogant. And the other, he says, the other wolf is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serene, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee Indian simply replied, the one you feed. And I thought it was very good. Yeah. It's just like what it says in Colossians. Get rid of all this envy and strife and bitterness and put on love and charity. Walk in the truth of God's word. What was Paul's advice to Timothy, young Timothy? Purge yourself from these dishonorable vessels. People who are dishonoring the word of God, purge yourself away from them. Flee youthful lusts. Turn away from vain professors, people who are vain. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. That's what we have to do. The gods of the nations were to prove a stumbling block for Israel. A position from which I believe they still suffer. These gods were, Moses said, to be a thorn in their sides. And they were to tell their children about how good God had been that they had been saved out of the slavery and bondage of evil and that they now were to thank God for all the good things. We have been saved from the bondage of sin and Satan. Let us tell people about how good God has been to us to keep ourselves pure and to call on the Lord out of a pure heart. May God guide us and strengthen us to overthrow the enemy as he endeavors to entice us away from the narrow path. And may we realize that we are on the victory side. We used to sing a chorus years ago. On the victory side, on the victory side. No foe can daunt me, no fear can haunt me on the victory side. On the victory side, on the victory side, with Christ within, the fight we'll win on the victory side. Amen.